everyone. Welcome to another episode of Unnamed and Untamed. This will probably be our last episode of 2023, and we are going to rapid fire it. And today's topic is things you should know, things to consider before trying to conceive. We're going to talk diet and lifestyle for fertility. We're going to talk about, um, yeah, we're just going to see where it goes. So, Sadi, you want to kick it off with what you were saying about like getting in the right, like kind of frame of mind beforehand? Yeah, I think one thing to um, to keep in mind is that trying to carry to full term and trying to conceive are two completely different ro- like obstacles, right? So it's almost like you have to get over the first obstacle to get to the second. Trying to conceive can be very difficult for some people. And trying to carry the term can be very difficult for some people. And then there's some people who both of them are very hard. And I think it's really important to keep those things in mind because if you are still dealing with lower progesterone levels or you're somebody who has a lot of stress, maybe you're a night shift worker, maybe you have a lot of daily stress in your life, you're a caretaker for somebody, or just in general, you've had issues where you maybe have, you know, um, I feel like if you're having irregular periods, it's not the right time to try to conceive anyways. You really want to button up all those hormonal dysfunctions ahead of time, but it's important to really support the body's ability to carry to term. Because if you do get a pregnancy test that's positive, that's such a blessing. It's such a miracle unto itself. It's just, there's still a big journey that has to occur for that baby to come to term. And the first, you know, you know, one to 12 to 14 weeks is the most difficult time because the baby is trying to, the body is trying to make sure the baby is safe and protected. And it does that by increasing progesterone. Now what happens is the body has already lower progesterone or inconsistencies in progesterone. As the body is trying to be protective to the fetus, the progesterone levels do not rise as quickly as they should. And then we that's when we have miscarriage. And miscarriages are actually pretty common especially in the first um, trimester of pregnancy, but the goal would be to prevent that. And so how do we prevent that? And the first thing is knowing where your hormones are in the beginning of trying to conceive is really important because nobody wants to go through a miscarriage if they can prevent it. And obviously there's no like guaranteed prevention of miscarriages. There's still, I mean, there's a force bigger than us that controls a lot, right? But you can do those things by testing before you try you can also, if you do get pregnant, you can support with, I like Progon B because a lot more people can just go online and buy Progon B drops, sublingual four to five drops. And then once you have a pregnancy test, eight drops just to carry you to term because that will help your body's ability to not only create progesterone, but it'll give your body's ability to have more progesterone available to it. And that will help be supportive to the fetus. So those are things that I find are really important to I wouldn't, I don't want to use the word prevent y'all, but like, what's another word to lessen, support support the body. Yeah. I've got COVID brain right now, but (laughs) support the body, especially during the first and most precious months of pregnancy. Yeah. Well, I like what you said about like, just trying to help like the body feel safe. And I feel like that's definitely encompasses like what we're trying to do when we're talking about like naturally supporting 
fertility or, you know, again, like just supporting the body and, you know, first trimester as a whole. Um, and, and part of that is like understanding what factors like influence your fertility. And it's like thinking about like all the things that potentially could make your body feel like unsafe. Um, so like sickness, right. Like, like, you know, immune system, like COVID, um, looking at like hormone imbalances, like you said, sleep, I feel like is a big one, like to, to work on, like all those like kind of big stressors, nutrient deficiencies is one that I really like to focus on for people just explaining, like, you know, once we get pregnant and baby comes, like, guess who's going to get all those nutrients and you're going to feel it if we're not digesting or absorbing, um, you know, nutrients, you know, properly. Um, so I know that's, probably area you guys like to work on too with people is like, Hey, let's really push the full whole foods, animal proteins, all that sort of stuff, making sure like gut health in check. Um, and we're actually, you know, absorbing those nutrients, like I said, too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm the same as you guys, whenever, you know, a client comes to me having a goal for fertility, ultimately making sure that I always say making sure that the host is healthy because you know, we've talked like so many times, but for those who maybe haven't listened to those previous episodes, what are you doing? Go back and listen. But we've often talked about um, the journey to ovulation and how that takes 90 to 100 days. So if we think about that and the actual, instead of just having a period, but actually creating life, man, we like we have to think beyond that even. And so I think that when we're talking about fertility, looking at your overall health with regards to hormonal health, um, you know, Sonia alluded to, if you are having um, uh, inconsistencies within your cycle, looking at where are those coming from, you know, Sarah mentioned uh, stressors, like that could obviously be it, but looking at that hormonal health as a whole and knowing that maybe, maybe it's not starting with, you know, you know, hormones specifically and doing testing. Um, but I'm going to say that I, I do believe that does need to be part of your journey. As Sonia alluded to, it's not just about getting you pregnant. It's about keeping you pregnant and having a successful and healthy delivery. And that's going to lead you to a great postpartum experience. Um, the one thing that I was going to say, and I just totally just left my brain. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, um, I would say one of the things I work really heavily on clients with that I know you guys do too, is those habits. Like um, it sounds silly, but making sure that we have our habits and lifestyle are matching. So making sure we are eating nutrient dense food, we are consistent with our daily habits. Like if we're struggling to, you know, make, find what a protein source is, like let's start getting those things, getting, meeting our water goals, having sleep hygiene, because once you become pregnant, like if you can have like some kind of firm foundations, it's not to be in a place for restriction, but it's to have someplace for you to fall back on. Um, especially, you know, when morning sicknesses or all day sickness or things like that, um, may occur, you at least have some sort of foundational, um, experience to say, Hey, you know what, I am going to take good care of myself. And obviously postpartum that will, um, come through as well. Totally. And one thing I I feel like, on social media, at least I see a lot of like confusion maybe around exercise and exercise intensity when we're trying to conceive. And I feel like, you know, obviously we're not telling you to like overtrain and run yourself into the ground. Like there might, you might need to pull back a little bit, but I don't feel like we need to be afraid to exercise. And if you're not moving a lot right now or not training, 
or doing cardio, I think it is important to include because we think about like, you know, supporting like egg health and egg quality. And we want to think about like revving up your mitochondria and supporting blood flow. And I mean, exercise is just, I mean, like huge, like, you know, low hanging fruit, low hanging fruit to do that. Um, so yeah, I think like if you are, you just have to assess like your current training intensity and, you know, are, are you ovulating right now? Like, you know, potentially if, you know, you're training a lot and not ovulating, maybe we need to dial things down a little bit or just, you know, change modality, train, change intensity. Um, but I don't think we need to be afraid to, to exercise or train like we want, especially if we have the nutrition to match and the sleep to match and recovery strategies in place. Yeah. Yeah. I think good gut health is also really important because good gut health influences good vagina health and around the robin. And BV is actually a pretty common cause when people start to have fertility issues because you will not be able to get pregnant, especially if you're dealing with BV. So if you're somebody who has chronic BV, chronic yeast infections, it's definitely something for you to work on, you know, optimizing, you know, gut health and optimizing vaginal health because those will greatly influence because if the pH is off down there, sperm can travel or they die. It's kind of like having a spermicide built into your system. So that's not a great way to go about doing it. Um, lactobacillus strains are normally really good for that. I like Ultraflora Women's um, probiotic brand. Uh, Metagenics makes it and you can literally put it on a tampon in some water and just put it up there. It's really, really good helping. You can take it orally as well. Um, but yeah. most lactobacillus strains are going to be lactobacillus, you know, acidophilus, previous things like that are going to be good strains. You don't just want to take any antibiotic for that because chances are if you're having an overgrowth and you add in a bunch of antibiotics, it's not necessarily going to make things better. It could actually make things worse. Yeah. And that, that are actually are a good amount of studies kind of showing, you know, the strains that are helpful for, you know, the vaginal my, biome and um, the Yarrow Femdophilus is the one that I normally use, but I yeah. like, I like the metagenics. I always forget about that one. Yeah. They're pretty, they're so, they're, they're probably so- the same. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, one thing that we talked about when we were uh, right before we recorded is also remembering, um, the guy <laughs> and remembering that his health matters, uh, in your fertility journey. Um, he obviously is a contributing factor. <laughs> um, and so I think that that's also something to consider is both partners health. It's not just the female's health, um, as well as both partners, um, hormonal health, digestive health, like it, it really does matter. Um, uh, and it can really be the thing that makes the difference. And unfortunately, I mean, we're changing, you know, the tides are changing um, a little bit with females health, but unfortunately, often just the female is, it's looked on as her responsibility to make sure her health isn't great, which we are all about, we are all about it. But we also just have to remember that, you know, it is important for your partner's health, um, for his sperm, as well as his health going forward. And so looking at his digestive health and his hormonal health and where things are at is going to be just as much part of the equation as it is the females. Yes. Mental health included in all that. Yeah. I've seen many, too, too many clients, um, females come to me after stories of going through fertility treatment after fertility treatment and unfortunately in the end it actually ended up being um the male partner 
And that was never even a factor, which to me, like, I just think like, isn't that like a prerequisite? Shouldn't that like be a prerequisite when you go to that appointment, like saying, Hey, A like, lot of guys don't want to do it. There's a lot of guys that I see this all the time with my clients and the males are uninterested in doing anything. They're like, I won't even basically go get lab work. It's like, okay, Uh, yeah, well, it's hard it's so because. hard because like, really, like their stuff's less invasive. Like, Right. Well, that's, that's like the H, the H, H pylori conversation when you have like, cause we do, we work with a lot of female clients. We do have male clients, but a lot of females and you have like that client that like just can't shake the digestive health situation. And you're like, everything is lining up. Like we have to start looking at the household here. And Yeah. normally it's like a hard stop and you're like, ah. Even things like plastics can like create abnormal sperm morphology. So it's exposure to, there's a lot that goes on in your daily life that can also change things. And I think, I think it's something like 25 to 30% of, of um, fertility cases are unexplained. And that's where I like to think like, okay, well, is there something we can't see like endocrine disruptors? Are there plastic exposures? I mean, like if somebody's literally warming up their food every day in Tupperware, bringing it to work and then bringing it home and then warming up dinners in their plastic Tupperware and then drinking out of their plastic coffee cups. And you can believe that there's going to be some changes inside of the body for the worse, not necessarily for the better. So um, when it comes to toxic exposure, I think three to four months out easily, I'd say even a year out, Just being more mindful of like moving all your plastic to glass, you know, avoiding coffee cups when you can maybe bring your coffee cup, your reusable coffee cup to Starbucks. They'll gladly make your drink in a reusable coffee cup. They do that something they they will do. So you can do that. You can there's a lot of different options you could do to kind of like prevent some of this overload of toxins, being mindful about fragrances and your shampoos and body washes, things like that, because it's not honestly just your health. You're talking about the DNA of your unborn child. So what do you want their future to hold? And what do you want them exposed to at a young age? I think they did like a umbilical cord blood study and they found 1300 different like carcinogenic Yeah, toxins inside. I saw that. I saw that somewhere. Oh God, that's I disgusting. mean, our <laughs> It's so like microplastics and things like that. Things we weren't necessarily, our parents weren't exposed to, but maybe we were exposed to and our kids are exposed to even more and then their kids are going to be exposed even more because we're not even realizing like the effect of some of these things that we're exposing ourselves to right now. You know, we don't have long-term studies or how about this? They do, but no one ever says there's no carcinogenics in this body wash. No, they just sell it and they label it as a fragrance and they move on about their day. Well, and I know people might hear this and be like, well, you know, my mom didn't do that. And I turned out fine. It's like, but did we like, did we turn out fine? Yeah. We look at the autism rates increasing in the United States. Did we? Are we? Yeah. Okay. Well, Well, there's, and go ahead. I'm here. I was going to say on that, there was, there was actually something that I saw today. I don't know if the algorithm got us ahead of time, but there's something I saw today about that, that um, it said, you know, uh, basically a statement of, oh, well, you know, this is how we did it. And I turned out fine. And it showed a comparison. And I can't remember the item, but it was two items they showed. It was a comparison of the item and the ingredients from like the 70s to now what the ingredients hold. And it is like wild. It's it's not the same product <laughs> at all. It was like, it was really gross, actually. I cannot remember it. I'll, it'll come to me like tonight when I'm sleeping. Yeah.
I'm, it's crazy to see like the changes and like, we don't detox like we should. And I know that everyone says we've all got a liver. We all detox. Well, genetically we all don't detox. So just, yes, we have a liver, but we genetically don't all detox. And for the liver to work, did you know that we have to have like 12 different nutrients in our body at the right amount to get right. those? I'm telling you, you're not getting those nutrients dietarily. I promise right, exactly. your average standard American diet, even trying, it's really hard. A lot of times, even us, we take extra support when we need to support liver. Absolutely. And liver even doesn't... that's for the people that aren't even, that aren't living in a chronic deficit. Cause I will be real. I've yeah. said it online and social media. I literally dieted, like I dieted more of my life than I haven't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and, and speaking of like, like detox and stuff like that, like, alcohol is another one that I feel like if you're like trying or like close to trying, actually trying, trying like, to <laughs> yeah, like definitely like cut the alcohol. Like if you must drink, like it's gotta be w worth it. You know, I think like, I think at that point, if you're, if we are really having a conversation about like, Hey, I'm having trouble conceiving or I'm wanting to conceive. I think at that point, like we really just need to say like, Hey, like, are our actions aligning with our goals here? Like, you know, this is even like clients that, you know, whether it's a weight loss journey or body composition journey, like I think just are your actions really aligning with your goals? And if, and if they're not, and you're, you just need to take a little shift in the, um, in the trajectory, all good, but don't continue to do these actions and be like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why it's not working. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I think like, and those conversations aren't, aren't easy. And I think the other thing too would be like, maybe kind of wrapping it up, like looking at like having like good providers, like in your corner, like, you know, doctors that are, you know, listening to you and, you know, supportive and, you know, kind of hearing, you know, cause I've had, you know, clients that like have gone to, you know, specialists and whatnot and like, you know, just rattle off to them, you know, to eat healthier and all this stuff. And like, my clients are dialed and checking all the boxes and it's like, you know, someone that just, I get, think will, will kind of maybe look at your history a little bit more in depth and kind of listen to you and, and have those conversations. Yeah. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Oh, well, can I, I'll just say like some other random things that I think yeah. is important to you is making sure that if, you know, fertility is something that you're looking into, I would have hoped by now, but just in case not, just making sure that if you are a female, that you are up to par on your pelvic ultrasounds. That is something that's super important because contrary to popular belief, all females are not the same and everyone's uteruses and uterus size, shape, Div divisions <laughs> thereof are very different. And these things can absolutely perhaps affect that fertility journey. And it's sometimes nice or should be nice to kind of already have a forewarning of what things look like, what to expect, especially if you do get your goal to happen and you do conceive, um, you kind of want to know what's, you know, you don't want any surprises or at least try to minimize the surprises. So always having a pelvic ultrasound, I think is very important, um, just to make sure that you know what you're working with. I like that. Yeah, I had a Always client. Fire. I, I had a client recently find out that she had a um, basically so a 
uh, some people call it like a unicorn uterus. There's different names, but um, basically there's almost like a septum within the uterus. So it's like divided. And well, that's something that you probably kind of want to know. And there's different deviations of that. But yeah, it's something that I think is really important and some people don't think about. So small little things make a difference. Before we end, do we all want to give maybe a rapid fire of our two favorite fertility supplements? I really like folic acid. Um, and I like B vitamins and folic acid. Like if you can find a good blend genetically, obviously we all absorb folic acid differently. Um, but folic acid in general <laughs> is going to be one that I think is in vitamin D are going to be my top too. I would say the ones I feel like I've recommended most recently would be CoQ10 for like mitochondrial health. And uh, it's hard because then it's like, what else? What are we supporting? But I would say CoQ10 and omega-3s. Okay. Um, so I'm just saying, yeah, <laughs> we need to last. We're going to go guys. It's okay. I'll come up with something. <laughs> um, so yes, yes. And yes. I love my B vitamins. Um, I, I, uh, probiotic is a great one depending on the person. Um, I'm really context dependent. Whenever a client tells me, Hey, I'm pregnant. I, the first thing that I say to them is not, Hey, here are these supplements. In fact, I say, hey, this is a great time to dial in on your food. Here's some really easy way to hit your, you know, hit your nutritional needs without necessarily needing like a prenatal or something like that. I kind of leave that up to them, um, which I guess is a, something I will mention is that I think that just be very careful with assuming that you need to go to say adding an iron supplement because you are pregnant, because I have seen time and time again, that's actually you're not the case um, with some females, you are an individual. And I just really think that everyone needs to be treated like that. But I'm going to say, um, if you so choose a really good prenatal that makes you feel confident and comfortable, but not everybody necessarily needs one. Um, I really like the ones you pick. Honestly, I, I like a vitamin D if it's necessary. I like B vitamins is one I really love just for so many reasons, especially with nausea. Oh, I got one. Magnesium. Perfect. Our magnesium. favorite mineral. How could we forget? I am a, I'm a B vitamin and then I go for magnesium because I feel like that can kind of help me with my, with the vitamin D, the, you know, we can have with nausea because a lot of people who are magnesium deficient, we see that with nausea. And then of course, like with some of the B vitamins also, um, and your, um, your needs for magnesium go up in that first trimester and they go down later on. But anyway, magnesium, that's a new one. I love that one. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Well, let us know if you guys have any more specific fertility related questions, or we could even maybe do like a pregnancy or a postpartum episode. Um, and we can get a little bit more granular, a little bit more specific in 2024. And as always, if you enjoyed, leave us a review, share it on your stories. And we hope you all have a happy holiday. Bye.